Anger Deanne, and welcome to my podcast, Things I Talk About. Today, we are going to be engaging in conversation around the topic of religious teachings and spirituality. One thing my spiritual journey has taught me is that not everything is as it seems. My special guest today is Susan Morrow Johnson who is also known as Mojo. Susan is a medium, author, and speaker. When I stumbled upon her video on YouTube titled, God Isn't What You Think It Is, I knew I wanted to have a conversation with her. With years of experience and thousands of readings, Mojo speaks, writes, coaches, and shares her message with her audience and clients who so desperately need to know that they are worthy. So Mojo, thank you so much for chatting with me here today. I'm really excited about this conversation. Before we dive in too deep, though, I would love to learn a little bit more about you. So could you maybe spend some time talking a little bit about yourself? Tell us more about yourself. Just a little bit? Only a little bit? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm happy to. Again, my name is Susan Morrow Johnson. And yes, I am also Mojo Medium. And I came up with that because it fits what I do perfectly. I started as a professional psychic medium in 2005. And that was when I discovered the latent talents that that required. And then uh, coaching was always a natural extension of that. And I have evolved over the years. Gosh, it's been almost 20 years since then into a speaker, trainer, and writer. So that's what I'm doing these days. I come from a really fairly idyllic childhood, if you will. It was very middle America, very white bread, you know, great neighborhood, great neighbors, great friends, and all the usual stuff. We had ballet lessons and we had piano lessons, you know. The only thing we didn't do was take French. So we were raised very properly. Um, so, you know, I came out of a, a regular world. I was raised in the Presbyterian Church. And okay. the things that I learned there, some of them still inform my beliefs and my experience to this day, even though I'm no longer a practicing Christian. So that's where I came from. Um, am I leaving something out that's important? I live in Houston, Texas right now. We met, moved to St. Louis. I'm married, two grown daughters. Uh, five grandchildren between us. Then there you go. Yeah. Two cats. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I love it. And I remember reading how you shared that, you know, you do feel like you had this childhood that was just kind of, you know, beautiful. And I think that that is incredible. Um, you know, just kind of laying some foundation here for our conversation today. So my experience was I grew up in a home. It was, yeah, total opposite. It was, you know, I, I label it as a high control, religiously abusive home. Um, you know, things were, you know, when we're talking about uh, I think Christianity or especially fundamentalist beliefs, mm -hmm. they can already be challenging. Mm -hmm. But then when they are used, you know, for control and, you know, personal um, disciplines and different ways, it can be very challenging. But, you know, 
as we're going into this conversation today, I love how your story was different because I always say that, you know, it's not like it's this or that, you know, it can be a scope of many different things. (laughs) And, um, you know, I know that my experience wasn't everybody's experience that was raised, you know, in the church that way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's, everybody has a different experience with religion and my husband, mm -hmm. um, his experience with religion and he, did some exploration. Um, he had a difficult time in Lutheran school growing up. Um, okay. He was he spent some time with some Mormons and almost was baptized Mormon. And this was before <laughs> I knew him. And he spent five years going to a mosque and studying the Quran in with oh, Islam. Yeah. So wow. and and he's not Middle Eastern. You know, he's yeah, basic Western European American. You know, and yeah. uh, so so then he kind of threw it all just threw it all out the window and really has disdain for religion. And then uh, when his son passed away, there were two women before me who brought messages to him from his son. And that changed his grief journey. And it changed the way that he saw life in general outside of religion and different from religion. Um, mm-hmm. he, he came to me the other day and said, and said, Ooh, this is something you should say. And it's something that presumably you've heard in the past okay. few years. And that is, we are not human beings ha- having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And yeah. he was very excited about it because he hadn't heard it before. And I was like, yeah, that's, that is true. <laughs> that makes sense to me. And we've explored yeah. a lot together about spirituality what our souls really are, what we do between lives and so forth. So yeah. it's it's fun for us to do that. And sometimes I'm the expert and sometimes he is, you know. Yeah, I, I love it. Love it. Now, you know, so I have to ask this question in that is what did in your upbringing experience, what did religion provide for you? Can you tell us more about uh, such as, did it offer you peace? Did it offer you judgment? Did you feel like you had liberty to ask questions? Right. Well, I am, I think I'm kind of unusual. Two of my grandparents, my father's parents were both PKs. Do you know what a PK is? No. Preacher's kids. They were preacher's kids. (laughs) So uh, they were both Baptist preacher's kids. And in fact, that's how they met, that my grandfather's father was the Baptist preacher of a little town you never heard of called Paris, Texas. And uh, (laughs) he got sick and and then he died. And so my grandmother's Mm -hmm. father then got the call for that church in Paris, Texas. And so they met... I think grandmother was about 12 and granddad would have been about 14. So they knew each other because they were both the PKs, you know, and, and, um, and then eventually they wound up getting married. And then my grandmother's father performed the ceremony in that church. And, you know, it was very special. And in fact, they got married on the same date as my grandmother's sister and my grandmother's parents. (laughs) <laughs> so it was kind of a, it was, a, you know, kind of a magical thing. And we yeah. can talk some more about the symbolism of doing things like that, the rituals and yeah. superstitions. Anyway, um, so 
they were obviously very strictly Baptist. My parents were both raised Baptist. My other grandparents were also Baptist, although they weren't PKs. And, um, you know, that you, since you don't know the term PKs or preacher's kids, there's there's a, a reference to that that can it, a preacher's kid can go either way. They can be mm-hmm. they toe the line, okay. good kid, or they can just go completely wild because their daddy's a preacher's kid. Think about Footloose. You know, the yeah. pastor's okay. daughter Footloose. So um, anyway, so you'd think that coming from that family that I'd be really, really Baptist, but I wasn't because my parents left the Baptist church before I was born. And so I was raised Presbyterian, which is much more, typically much more liberal minded than okay. your fundamentalist or Baptist churches. And okay. so for me, church was what you did. That was just what you did. You know, you just went on Sundays and some of us on Wednesdays, you know, or if you were in the church yeah. choir, then you'd go to choir practice. And sometimes there'd be a pancake supper or something. And so when I visited my grandparents, I was Baptist, you know, and I'd go to their church and I spent mm-hmm. quite a bit of time at my grandparents' church in Houston, big old Baptist church they were really involved in. And, um, you know, grandmother, she always had certs and or gum in her purse because she knew from a lifetime of church that if you start to yawn, a, a, a cert, as she would call it, certs is a, it's a breath mint. Yeah, yeah. gum will keep you from yawning. And so she (laughs) always had those in her purse, even when we weren't at church. All right. So then church became for me, um, I went to Sunday school. I learned about, you know, I had a little bit of Bible learning. Presbyterians are not that good at Bible learning like they are in the Baptist church, which they really drive it home, but got some of that too. Anyway, um, church was youth group. It was Christmas Eve carol and candlelighting service. It was Sunday mornings, you know, in the up in the old choir loft with my friend who was doing the lights up and down, you know, during prayers mm-hmm. and stuff like that in the sermon, they turn the lights down. Oh gosh, gosh. Um, and he and I would sit up in the balcony and just giggle and laugh and, you know, joke around and just have a great time. So there was a lot of fun stuff. Youth group was fun. We we put on plays. We, you know, we went to our sponsor's house and they had barn animals, farm animals, and we, you know, washed them with shaving cream. I mean, we just had a good time. And in fact, when I think about it, the way it was in my family, yes, I could certainly question anything. My father mm-hmm. especially was quite a rebel. He was he actually was a ministerial student until his senior year in college. And okay. so it was because he had questions and doubts and he didn't believe a lot of what he was being told and none of it made sense. And and my mom also, she turned out Episcopalian later on. And she also, she'll say, I don't really believe most of it, but I like being there. It's comforting. I like the liturgy. I like the music, you know. And yeah. so that's the way I was raised. It was very much like, yes, you go to church and you do your best to be a good person, but we didn't really talk about it that much. I don't remember talking to my grandparents about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, that was stuff that was, you know, somebody that was what strangers asked you. And we just okay. didn't talk about it. We really didn't talk much about it. And I could ask any of them. They were all so well-versed in the Bible. Could I ask any of them? Well, you know, we talked about this in Sunday school and I didn't understand, you know, what, did, what, what's that whole thing about Lazarus? So was he really dead or was he just, 
kind of dead, you know, I mean, whatever it was, I, we could definitely say anything we wanted. And, and if, you know, I remember my dad telling me at some point that he didn't believe in the virgin birth, but he didn't see any reason why that made any, made it any less of a miracle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and that's how I feel too. I, I feel like it doesn't matter what you call it. It's all the same thing. When you use religion as a cudgel to control, like you said, and to yeah. frighten, uh, mm-hmm. then then it's then it's bad. I don't, I don't yeah. like that crap. I'm I'm very anti that. And the Christian Church, with the big C as a whole, has become very toxic. I think very hypocritical. Okay. Yeah, full of fear and. Um, you know, oh, I just thought of another example. As an adult at at the Presbyterian Church, our associate pastor led the Sunday school class. And one day after class, I said, I don't actually believe in hell or the devil. And he said, neither do I. And he was the pastor. <laughs> so I, I thought, yeah, because the idea of hell or a place where God isn't, first thing you learn mm-hmm. in catechism is God is everywhere. How is he in a place? Yeah. Well, how is there a place where he's not? And I just, I just yeah. don't believe it. Um, but then, you know, I have been challenged like, well, why is there suffering? You know, okay, that's, that's an age old question. We can, explore, <laughs> you know, we can explore why is there suffering? Because it's, it's a fair question. Ah, uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, and I love how you shared your perspectives of kind of what the tone is, I'll say now presently. It, and it does feel toxic and it does feel like it's causing a lot of division. Um, and, you know, there's this big gap be- between things. And, you know, one thing after my journey, you know, the first thing, so I had a spontaneous spiritual awakening Ooh. during a solar eclipse. Ooh, I want to know so, about that. Yeah, so there was no entertaining any of this, you know, before that point. And so when something like that happens, you know, it kind of causes you to stop and think, okay, what just happened? Because first off, this goes against everything I've been taught, you know, so it was this time frame in which I you know, began exploring religion and Christianity and all of these things. And I can still remember one of the first things was that caught me by surprise is I did not realize how much culture and belief systems came prior to Christianity. You know, I, I, you know, you go back 2000 years and you've got like Hinduism and even looking at the Kabbalah and, and, Judaism. you know, different. Yeah. And exactly. then all the, all the pagan religions, you know, when we studied Greek and, yeah. and Roman mythology in school, a myth is just a religion that nobody believes in anymore. That was their religion, all those gods yeah. and what they did and and right. you know how they personified the gods. That was their religion. And yeah. then there are many yeah. pagan religions where, you know, there's there may not be worship, but there is uh praise and appreciation for the goddess of the moon and the god of yeah. the earth and so forth, goddess of the earth or whatever. Right. So many different traditions. And of course, in Christianity, a lot of the rituals and 
um, celebrations come from pagan rituals because that was one of the ways they converted people. <laughs> and and I've heard it said, and I'll, I, it bears repeating, the, the church went awry when they stopped following Jesus and started worshiping Jesus. Yeah. And I have to agree with that because the teachings, I still will occasionally call myself a Jesusist instead of a Christian <laughs> because I love the teachings of Christ. Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, he espoused virtues and values that are critical to peace, love, and understanding. I mean, yeah, really, right. point of phrase, really for, for anyone to be happy, help others. Yeah. You know, be humble, use your talents and service to others. That is don't hide your light under a bushel. One of my mm -hmm. favorites. Um, that which you did under the, unto the least of these, all of those things are such beautiful messages about living your life and about yeah. being happy and comfortable and at peace with your community. So, yeah. you know, to get so far away from that, it, it's, I call that a sin. You, <laughs> you go to church every Sunday and say you believe in Jesus and then you hate other people and you don't want them to right. have rights that you have, mm -hmm. or you don't want them to have, um, you know, a roof over their heads and, and food to feed their children and so forth, then there's something wrong. And that's that's yeah. hypocrisy. So yeah. I I can really go off on a rant. About that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely, I, absolutely. And I think you know, going back to kind of what I was saying, it's it's like we and what you were saying as far as like the different pagan beliefs, in you know, looking at for example, even you know the stories of of Noah's Ark and the flood, like that's not just there. There's like through all of the different religions or beliefs or texts, you know, mm -hmm. they all have this storyline that kind of goes. And I think for me at the time of exploring this, what I got about, out of it was I always thought there was this one way, mm -hmm. you know, and not only was there this one way, but you better be on the right way because otherwise, you know, you're well, condemned damn. to hell yeah. and damnation, yeah. you know? And so when I read it and I said, okay, so first off, there's all this time period prior to Christianity. Mm -hmm. Second, there's these stories and all these different ways they're being shared, right. you know, and, and I gave myself the freedom to realize it's okay, whatever I do believe or feel drawn towards. And maybe that truth is subjected to each individual's journey and that there might not be, you know, one absolute, absolute, you know, and that there are different layers to things. Um, yeah. And I felt a lot of freedom. I felt a lot of freedom in that. You know, I'm curious, what are your, what are your thoughts on this as far as do you feel there is one absolute uh, truth? universally. Absolutely not. I, I don't see how there could be because yeah. we are all different people. And so all of the traditions, by the way, you talked about Noah's Ark as being in all the traditions. Um, all the traditions also have a half human, yeah. half God yeah. hero, yeah, like Hercules. Yeah. Hercules was yeah. half human. They all have that. And so you know, Jesus was no yeah. 
surprise, you know, I mean, he was just another one of those. And uh, I could get into all of that about the history and the Nicene councils and all of that, but I'm going to say about answer your question. No, I, I, like I said about, it's all the same thing. It doesn't matter what you call it. It only matters what you call it as to, to make sense to you. So if it makes sense to you to say, water is my God and I will follow water, then that's fine as long as it's working for you. And I think that's why right now in Mm -hmm. the time of man, we have so many teachers like myself, if I may, emerging and we're we're all giving the same message, but in a different way so that we can teach our the people who mm-hmm. can learn it that way and other people can learn from somebody else. And that, that's why, you know, I, I don't see any other coach or author or personal development guru. <laughs> I hate to use that word because I know it's co-opting it. Yeah. Um, but leader, thought leader. Um, I don't yeah. feel like a competition with any of them because yeah. we're all doing the same thing. We are all helping others in the way that our special unique yeah. gifts allow us to help them so that they can be happier and use their gifts in service to others. Right, right. I I love that. I love that. And and you know, I as part of my journey, especially growing up in that sort of imbo- environment where it was like there is so much pressure on being right or wrong, you know, I've in my own journey, you know, even sharing this podcast, you know, I've, I had to go through this spell where I felt like it was okay to speak, to share, Mm -hmm. you know, and one of the journeys I've had to go through is feeling like, okay, I don't have to be the absolute expert, the guru, as you said, you know, but in sharing from my personal perspective, I'm emanating a frequency that is the right frequency for those that, as you said, are, that's the language they're looking for that those individuals can find, uh, you know, find us each and every one of us. Um, and I think that, you know, it is important to share and it's only through coming out and speaking, you know, on these different experiences are stories. I love stories. Yes. You know, they're they're impactful. And by doing that, we change right. Well and the, the yeah. Bible's full of them. Yeah. Like the story of Noah. No, it's a it's it's like a fable. It yeah. helps you to understand things. Yeah. So and and that's yeah, storytelling is awesome. In fact, I met with a woman today. Her name is Madeline Black. She is English. And she is a speaker and author. And, uh, you know, she she uses her experience to, to do that. And we were talking about the different things that happen in your life that, that yeah. shape and create your message, you know, and, and, and how you can, um, like you said, attract the people who need to learn it in that way. So I think that that's, that's really, it's just an important acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know when we first started talking, it was around Christmas, and I absolutely loved how you brought attention to, you know, the fact that um, 
how many of the Christmas traditions were around paganism. So I'd love to pick your brain. What other nuggets do you have of examples of where things kind of originated versus, you know, how they were shifted um, into something different? Right, right. Well, you know, I, I've mentioned briefly the councils at Nicaea. So Constantine was the emperor um, and he wanted, he, the early Christians were squabbling and fighting amongst themselves about who was right and who was wrong because they didn't have our perspective on it's all good, doesn't matter what you call it, right. as long as you call it, it's good. Uh, it's all the same thing. Um, so then he said, okay, look, we're going to stop this nonsense and have it. We're just going to have a state religion. And so you and you and you and you, you Bishop people, you think, you know, all about Christ y'all come together and you're going to duke this out until you figure out what's right and what's wrong. So they started saying, okay, we have to have exact rules for everybody to follow. Mm -hmm. And that's where they started saying, you know, is Jesus human or is he God? And they decided on both. Um, You know, how the the Pope holds his hand like this to give a blessing or the priest hold up the thumb and two first fingers and then they fold down the other two. So that represents the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And then the two fingers folded down represent the dual nature of Christ. Okay, I didn't know that until about 10 years ago. So they made all the decisions about that. And I've heard, although I have not been able to confirm this, I'm not a theologian. I've heard that when the decisions were made about which texts to include in the Bible, um, references to reincarnation were left out. And the thing is that fear is a great way to control the masses. So if people thought they had another chance to get to heaven or nirvana, then why would they bother to be good in this life? Even in Hinduism, where they do have reincarnation, they teach that you'll be punished in the next life for what you do in this life, punished or rewarded, I should be fair, punished or rewarded in the next human life for what you've done in this life. Well, okay. So truth with a capital T (laughs) will always make sense. We are born with intellect and intuition and we're at our best when we use both of them. So if somebody's telling you a fact about a quote unquote fact about Jesus or religion, and you think logically that doesn't make any sense, you can check that against your intuition and go, that doesn't even feel right. Yeah. Right. So, like I said earlier, very early on, how can there be a place where God isn't? Mm-hmm. How can there be a person who's pure evil or a being? Yeah. And, you know, so that so this is where I start to depart from the idea of one and only God anyway. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to your question about some of the things that have been corrupted and things that came from other things. Yeah. I already mentioned about Hercules being the half man, half god of their myth, mm-hmm. right? And so much has has gotten changed. The idea of hell, mm-hmm. you know, in Judaism, which Obviously, Jesus was a Jew, so that came first, came long before Christianity. Um, Judaism preaches an afterlife, Mm -hmm. 
but it's not heaven or hell. It is made of your own way, the way that you lived. Yeah. So they they stop short of saying you're going to have a terrible afterlife if you don't straighten up. They just say, well, this is going to be what you make it. Mm -hmm. And in all my years of as a medium and talking to thousands of dead people, quite literally thousands of dead people, they show me what their heaven is. And it's almost always, and, and keep in mind that I kind of halfway believe that what they show us is what we can understand. Yeah. Because if they showed us what it really is, it would be like, what, what is that mm-hmm. blobby thing with the light in it? You know, whatever. Um, but they very often will show me pastoral scenes like Earth, or it might be sailing on the water, or it might be um doing something that they loved doing in life or always wanted to do. Like I had one, I remember, um, and keep in mind, this was a client over the phone. I'd never met her, total stranger. All I've got is her name. We were talking to her grandmother or somebody. And I said, well, she's showing me that she's singing and dancing in heaven. Does that sound right? She said she was in a wheelchair. She always said when she got to heaven, she was going to dance. You know, so it's stuff like that. And that's also to let the living loved one know Mm -hmm. that she's okay. She's happy. Everything's good. And so all of those thousands of people, none of them have ever had, I've never seen hell. I've never been told of any kind of punishment. Um, One thing that, that I do see is um, some people who, especially those who've had a very difficult life, they take a little bit longer to reorient mm-hmm. to the uh to the the spiritual world. Yeah. They they take time's not real, but for us, you know, somebody might have died five years ago and I'm just now getting to talk to them, right. or they are they are in orientation or they're sort of in debriefing. And so sometimes it seems like it takes longer. And my husband and I recently read a book called Journey of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton fascinating stuff. You're nodding. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. But well, it is about life between lives. So it's not just life after, yeah. you know, life after death, but it's life between lives and what goes on for us. Most of it either confirmed or was exactly like what I know from talking to people yeah. in heaven. Or there was a little bit that I was like, uh, hold on, it's getting a little too... <laughs> Specific nitpicky, you know, talking about advancement and and hierarchy and getting to the creator ultimately. I'm like, yeah. okay, wait a minute, that's that's not quite how I see it. But there was so much in it that validated my own experience as a medium that I was just so thrilled and delighted. Yeah. So back to the concept of hell and fear being a way to control the masses. Yeah. Yeah. Getting them to behave, mm-hmm. or else they'll go to hell. And getting them to give you all their stuff. (laughs) That's why Catholics, Catholic priests couldn't marry. Well, Paul never married. The Apostle Paul never married. Well, he was probably gay. He he hated women and, you know, whatever. But you can't lead a church and a family. You must be, you know, single and also give all of your stuff to the church so that the church becomes very, very, very wealthy. Now, that's not that is the Catholic Church, the Holy, the Roman Catholic Church. The church at large, to Christianity, not all churches are rich. In fact, many of them are poor. After the Reformation, where 
where Martin Luther and others rejected the teachings of Catholic Church because of the hypocrisy and because it was so far from the teachings of Jesus. Um, at that time, then a lot of people, a lot of religions actually, or denominations of Christianity, really espoused poverty, uh, or not poverty, but sharing, not having a lot of worldly belongings. Yeah. You know, it had nothing to do with, oh, you must be pious and modest. It had to do with these things don't make us holy. Yeah. These these yeah. things don't yeah. connect us to God and Jesus. The you know, these things are are not sharing. Mm -hmm. So it was different from the concept of the Catholic Church, where it was all the wealth was all accumulated at the Vatican. Yeah. And boy, you should I mean it that place mm, yeah <laughs> a, a, a large percentage of the world's wealth is in the vatican yeah so um i i think that's really really wrong wow yeah especially preaching out of one side of your mouth yeah i mean it's easier than a, a camel to get through the eye of a needle and and then at the same time taking all the art from around the world and mm -hmm. and hoarding it you know okay yeah Sorry. I, I really told myself before we got on, I was like, I am not going to preach. I'm not going to be bad. I'm not going to talk about the hypocrisy until I turn blue. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I I absolutely feel feel you. And no, I appreciate it. And, you know, I'll be honest that in my journey, this has been something that I've kind of been back and forth with myself because I do feel like there's a a part of me that, you know, it's like what's happened is what happened. You know, I have no regrets of my childhood. Um, you know, my parents have disowned me, but I have no resentment. Like I, I feel everything happens absolutely for a reason. And I have a lot of gratitude for where I am. But at the same time, I've also realized that there was a time when I was looking for resources and I was looking for someone to say, okay, yes, there are all of these, you know, stories this way, or my experience looked like this, not like that. You know, I, I didn't have that. I could not right. find any books, resources that helped people because that's the thing is when you have someone raised in such a dominating, you know, environment, there there's a lot of fear in being able to step out of that and feel like it's okay sure. to explore and you know that just the mere thought of wow, you know, this or that, that that doesn't mean, oh, you're going to hell. You open the door to the devil and now, you know, you're uh, good luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. It, it's a very difficult narrative. So I like sure. talking about these things and I like hearing different perspectives, you know, and people that are educated, you know, on different elements, you know, like I said, I love the things that you shared. Um, because I think that there are people out there that can't, you know, can't necessarily get their hands on those sorts of right. resources, right. that kind of information. Mm -hmm. Right. And also, like you just said, the permission to think freely, Yeah, the permission to say that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, I was talking, I mentioned my dad earlier was very 
doubtful and, you know, all that stuff. He was being raised by two Baptist preacher's kids. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was very afraid. Yeah. Um, he wasn't allowed to play with the Catholic kids. I mean, that's how strict that was. Yeah. Fortunately, yeah. my grandparents were not racist and I wasn't raised racist, although, you know, not to split hairs, but I know that I have racist tendencies that I'm less aware of than I should be. Uh, but we, but being raised in Southeast Texas, it was a lot like the 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 Deep South. Yeah, and there was a lot of racism, and so we weren't like that. But so Daddy couldn't play with the Catholics, but black kids were fine. <laughs> um, so that which is I think is actually pretty good. But he was um, he was really doubting and questioning so much, and felt like he couldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, um, my parents met some other people. And they were in their 20s, and they had kids the same age. In fact, their son is my best friend. We were born just a few weeks apart. And so we we talk about how we've been best friends literally since before we were born. Um, but the the dad or the husband of that couple, his name was John, he was a, a minister. And my dad told him, took him into his confidence and said, well, I just, you know, I don't understand this, and I, I want to know why they say this and I don't believe in that. And, and I'm struggling because I'm struggling with my faith, Yeah, you know, to think that, that I, I don't want to believe these things, but I'm supposed to believe them. And I, you know, and John was the first one who gave him permission to doubt and to question. And he just, you know, daddy just adored him the rest of his life and thanked him in gratitude mm-hmm. about giving him that permission and letting him know it was okay. Yeah. That you're not going to hell. That I don't know if Daddy believed in hell at that point, but he didn't when he died. I know that. But but that John said it's okay. You can ask. I mean, look at Doubting Thomas. And Daddy always really liked Doubting Thomas, the Saint Thomas. You know, he really admired him. Um, and so I I love the the idea that you gave yourself permission. Yeah, yeah. And that here's here's my experience in in almost everything that I've ever sought. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. When I start asking the questions, the answers do start to come around. Yeah. People will cross my path. When I am uh when I'm really searching and I'm I'm, you know, trying to figure something out, that's when I meet people. Yeah. And that's when I read things and hear things. And one of the things that I teach everybody is pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> pay attention, not only to your own your gut feeling, your logic, your intuition. Yeah. And but also to whatever gets your attention. Yeah. You know, if you pass a billboard that you haven't noticed before and it says something like, I don't know, this is your sign or whatever, <laughs> you go, Oh my gosh, I've been looking for a sign. And that sign is red and my hair is red. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Why do we have to dismiss that as your imagination? Oh, yeah, yeah. Why not yeah. to dismiss it as your imagination? Because because we live in a very concrete world. Mm-hmm. If you can't show your work, you're either cheating or a good guesser. You know, <laughs> if you can get the answer in math without showing your work. So our intuition is is completely squashed. Mm-hmm. And that that's fine because of the world we live in. It is a concrete world. We have to eat, right? Mm-hmm. But when you start getting into more spiritual pursuits, Mm -hmm. you can actually start to shift what's going on in your life. And that's one of the ways you start doing it is pay attention. Oh, I met this lady and she said, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, 
I never thought of that before, but that's exactly the thing I needed to know. And and maybe you saw her on Good Morning America, or maybe she was talking to her friend on the phone behind you in line at Starbucks. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It doesn't have to come out of the preacher's mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, for that matter, look at quantum physics, because man, that'll change your life. Mm -hmm. So what you said, you said something a minute ago about about thought. I think you said something about, oh, you know, you said something about vibration, vibrational frequency. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I love to do twisted Bible Bible verses. (laughs) One of my favorites when I was a kid, and I don't know why, probably I had to memorize it for Sunday school or something, but the book of John in the New Testament, chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So I've changed that to change the word to the thought. In the beginning was the thought and the thought was with God and the thought was God. So there's there's a concept about the Big Bang mm-hmm. that it came from energy, mm-hmm. that the universe was created by a thought. Yep. So you have thoughts all the time. There's a there's a a thought leader or a self-help guy named Mike Dooley and his tagline is thoughts become things choose the good ones. <laughs> and that really speaks to, you know, yeah. paying attention to what you're thinking and the negative thoughts and I don't think we would have time right now to get into all the brain <laughs> stuff and all that. But if you just go with in the beginning was the thought and the thought was with God and the thought was God. Wow, powerful. Yeah. So then you start thinking, well, I've got thoughts all the time. Yes. And each one vibrates at a frequency. Mm-hmm. Each one is a physical thing, actually. It's not just energy. It's mm-hmm. also matter. Yeah. Because yeah. when you have a thought, two neurons share a synapsis, and that is an electrical charge. Yeah. If you think that thought often enough, like what you were told when you were a kid, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, it, that same thought starts to wear a physical path in your brain. And that's why the old beliefs that are formed before we were seven years old are so hard to change. The old thoughts. If you grew up thinking I'm fat, ugly, and stupid, then guess what? Mm -hmm. Or I'm, I'm bad and I'm wrong. Guess what? Yeah. But when you think the other thought of a different frequency those that thought with the synapses that keep digging the groove, they start firing less and less and less. And so that path, while it will never go away, mm-hmm. can at least grass over the grass can grow over it. Yeah. And the new pathway becomes more common, more thinkable. Yeah. Okay. Um, so about the thought being God, this is what I love. Our consciousness is really who we are. Mm-hmm. We are vibrations. Everything, everything vibrates. And, you know, you'll hear manifestation teachers, myself included, say that in order to manifest or create what you want instead of what you don't want, Mm -hmm. because you're always creating. Yeah. In order to do that, you have to change the frequency of your vibration to be more similar to what you want. So then the question becomes, how do I do that? How do I raise my vibrational frequency? I don't know. It It's okay. Calm down. Everybody just... Deep breath. Okay. So you do that with your thoughts. You change your vibration with your thoughts. And instead of thinking I'm bad, wrong, and stupid, then you start thinking I'm wonderful. So Emile Coué, who was a philosopher and a psychologist in the 1800s, a Frenchman, he came up with the idea of every day and every way I'm getting better and better. 
It's actually better in French because it rhymes. <laughs> so, and and I haven't memorized it well enough. It's tous les jours on tous les something. Um, uh, point de vue, maybe. I don't know. Je vais meilleur et meilleur. I'm getting better and better. So we we know about this. We know about affirmations. And I do a whole lot with affirmations. There are two different kinds. They're the ones for manifesting and they're the ones for every day. And you don't want to mix them up because too many repetitions of what you're trying to manifest just drives home the point you don't have it. So I'll set that aside. Remember to ask me about the wait, the waiter. Okay. <laughs> ask me about the waiter. So when you, when you are thinking thoughts, that is literally how you change your vibration. When you're talking about manifestation and you're saying, oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a car. You're a new car. You're going to, you're still saying I'm going to, you're still focusing on, I don't have. Mm -hmm. And so you have to step into the feelings of what you want as being here and now. Mm -hmm. And I got to that point last year with this new, newish career with stepping into my right now destiny of using the talents that I have in service to others. Last year, I came to a point of really shifting and feeling that the thing that I am today was already here. Mm -hmm. And and part of it was my own thought work. And part of it was um, other things like my, you know, my journaling, my meditation, my affirmation, so forth. But also I worked with a healer who did theta healing for me. Mm -hmm. She healed a lot of things from my past and from past lives that allowed me to feel and see the, the me that was here to, to, what do you call it? Collapse the timeline between the, the me that I wanted to be and the me that I was at the moment. So it's, it's a very exciting process and it's, it, that's really what it is about. It really is. Life really is about us being happy. And the way to do that is to choose from among your many talents, and we all have them, I promise, which ones you want to use right now, mm -hmm. one or ones, doesn't matter how many, and figure out how to use those, no matter in what way that is. And it's always going to be in service to others. Even if you look at creative talents, like you know, painting or photo photography or singing, you are still, if if you do that, you're still serving people mm -hmm. because you're helping people feel something. You're helping people to recognize something. When was the last time you went to a concert or heard live music that you didn't feel something? Laugh or cry or love it or hate it or dance <laughs> or whatever, you felt something. And that that is service as much as being a doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief, or being, you know, a teacher or, or a, you know, however you think of as being helping, mm -hmm. that's what we're all doing. And so I have a saying, if we all used our talents, there would be perfect balance. <laughs> because when you use your talents, you feel good because what you're good at feels good to do. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a little secret hidden reason about that. They feel good to do, so you'll do them. Mm-hmm. Just like sex. It feels good to do. So you'll do it and make babies, right? So your talents feel good to do. So if you use your talents, you're you're happy and others are served. So they're happy. If we all did it, there'd be perfect balance. Mm. And that's that's my philosophy. Yeah. Love it. You said something about the waiter. Mm. Okay. So this is about affirmations. So 
when you are saying things, uh, daily affirmations like every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. I love that. That's a good one. So repeat it as often as you like. Anything that's general like that, like I'm, I am happy. I'm confident. I am. And you always want it to be positive, right? You don't want to go, I'm not going to worry today. That's a terrible affirmation. (laughs) You want to say is, is I am, am calm and capable in every situation and always in the present tense. Okay. So that's a real basic lesson in affirmations. Now then, when you are wanting to manifest or create or attract something, you want to limit how much you put it out there. So, you know, vision boards are very popular. I don't know if you know about vision boards. I've seen people. Yeah. Okay. So a vision board is essentially you cut out pictures of magazines or you write and draw words and so forth, make a poster on post board, put it on the wall, look at it every day. Here's my future life, you know, my future home, whatever. So the problem that I have with that is, and with affirmations that you would say every day, I have a new car, I have a new car, I have a new car, because you're still thinking, I don't have a new car, I want a new car. So instead, you want to limit how much you do that. Make the vision board and then put it away. Mm-hmm. Write a list, write what I uh, sometimes suggest that people write a husband list if they're looking for love. Um, what is he like? What is, what what do you share? How do you feel when you're with him, et cetera, et cetera? Put it away. And with affirmations, I always say three times. It's three times before you're going to sleep or write it, put it under your pillow for three nights or during meditation three times or during three different meditations. And that's it. Because when you leave it on the wall, when you say it all the time, when you write it 50 times a day, it's like going into a restaurant and telling the waiter, I'll have cheeseburger fries and a Coke. And he says, very good. And off he goes to the kitchen. But before he gets there, you go, wait, 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 come back. Comes back and you go, I'll have cheeseburger fries and a Coke. Very good, madam. Off to the kitchen. He goes, wait, 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 before you get, before you get there, hold on, (laughs) I'll have cheeseburger fries and a Coke. So your order never gets to the the cook. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't, it doesn't come out. Now you might get the Coke. (laughs) It'd probably be a diet Coke and wouldn't be any good, (laughs) but, but you're not going to bring your desire, your dire desire to fruition by repetition. Mm -hmm. And that has, I have proven that myself over and over and over again. And that's what I teach all of my clients and students and audience and so forth. Awesome. I love it. I love it. And I love how you shared um, how that is something you use to uh, Mm. share with your clients. Um, And I'm understanding you have services that help others. You know, do you work with others as it relates to, you know, we're talking about religion today. And I know I shared some of my journey with like coming on the side of that and confidence, or let's just say, like understanding the self and um, tell us more about how you work with your clients and what you, what okay, service. Sure. I feel like I'm guessing. Why don't you just tell me? Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I used to actually say that um, the people that I wanted to work with most were people who were coming out of religion, you okay. know, recovering Catholics and, and people who had started going, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I, as you can tell, I speak that language. You know, I can I can talk to people in I quote the Bible. In fact, 
pulled out one of my favorite books. It's called The Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox. Okay. Wrote it in the 20s or 30s, I think 30s maybe. And he goes through the whole Sermon on the Mount from the book of Matthew and breaks it down. And I tell you what, the first time I saw this, I was already, I was already out of the church. And I, I was reading through it and I was like, this is law of attraction. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is law of attraction. Yeah. It's in the Bible, you know, and it's it's very exciting. So I used to say that, yeah, I really kind of specialize in people who have left religion. But it's gotten now to the point where there, there's such a wide audience of people like that. Yeah. And I've, I'm kind of working now more with people who have already sort of right. started to figure that out, but they haven't figured out exactly how to choose their destiny, which is my big thing. So um, I, I teach workshops and I speak um, both in my own seminars and for other organizations. Okay. And I have um, my next book's coming out in June, so I'm working on that right now. Awesome. And then my my that's going to be a collaborative book, and then a solo book will probably come out in early 2025. So, and I have a few books already. Let's see here. I don't know if you can see them. Yeah. So you see the yellow one right there. Yeah. That one is one of my books, awesome. and I've got a couple more back there behind me. <laughs> um, but those were, those are older books and this is more in line with what I've been teaching in recent years. Yeah. So I'm all about, oh, and then I do still work one-on-one -on -one with coaching clients Okay, and they can also get just a one-off session if that's what they feel like they need. And then I, I still do some psychic greetings because awesome. I couldn't stop being a psychic medium if I wanted to, which I don't. <laughs> and so, you know, if somebody says, I want a psychic greeting, I'm like, okay, Let's let's do a reading, yeah. So because it, it's fun for me, yeah. So I'll keep doing that as long as I have time to do it, yeah. Um, but I'm getting more toward workshops and <clears throat> excuse me, uh, self paced courses and stuff like that. Awesome. And so my my main workshop is I have one on manifestation, but I also do the destiny workshop or the choose your destiny workshop, and that is where we we start with your connection to the divine, mm -hmm. listening to your intuition, uh, paying attention, communicating with your guides. And then we move into your divine value, which is about how worthy you feel. And then we get into picking out those talents, figuring out those talents. And I have not had a client yet who didn't discover talents they didn't know they had. Awesome. And part of that is just that that particular talent may not be, nobody's ever talked about it or right. nobody's ever noticed or they didn't really notice themselves because they just never had an opportunity to dig into it. Or, um, <clears throat> excuse me, or that particular talent was kind of like told that, eh, don't do that mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Again, yeah. we live in a concrete world. I was told, <clears throat> excuse me, not to try to make a living as a writer. Even though I was born a writer, I had my Mozart moment of dictating story to my mom before I could even <laughs> really write. Um, so things like that, that have been neglected or or pushed down or whatever. Yeah. So we come up with this list of talents and then you get to choose the ones you like for right now. And that's what I mean about choosing your destiny. I've studied that a lot. And if I start going too long, you cut me off. Um, the destiny versus choice, which I, I will not, I will not get into my tirade about free will, but the difference between destiny and choice, it seems to be a, a combination of the two. So, you know, raised Presbyterian, they teach preordination. So everything is destined, everything's set out. But that didn't fully make sense. 
And as a psychic medium, if I can accurately predict the future, and I do, doesn't that mean that that future thing has to be already decided on? Somehow it's already going to, it's going to happen. So now we can get back into quantum physics about time not being real and everything going on at once and the many worlds theory and so forth. But um, what it turns out is it seems like there are destiny points in all of our lives, what I call destiny points. Those are things that are going to happen one way or another. You were going to be in this fundamentalist family. You were going to leave this fundamentalist family Mm -hmm. as hard as it was. And, and your, your path is very interesting to me. Um, So you've got these destiny points, your choices come in with how fast you get there, how much fun you have while you get there. Mm-hmm. You're you're on your path and you can take fork A or fork B, but they're all going to wind up at the destiny point. Mm-hmm. And so I think, why not have fun doing it? Mm-hmm. Why not be happy doing it? It's so much better. Yeah. It makes my life so much better when I'm, you know, when you get kicked out. If you're not, if you're not, you will find that if the doors are slamming in your face, you need to make a change. Yeah. You need to do something different. If you get fired, you have a car wreck, uh, you get dumped by your significant other. Those are the universe's way, or really mm-hmm. your way, because you are, of kicking you out and saying, you haven't been paying attention to the messages we're sending you. You're not thinking right. You were supposed to have left that job a year and a half ago. Yeah. Get up, get your butt out there and do what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. You'll be much happier. <laughs> You know, and and I don't know anybody who's ever had something like that happen where they got kicked out that they didn't go, oh yeah, yeah, huh, right. That would have been, hmm. I sure enough, I, if you think about it, you can look back and go, yeah, I should have left that job or broken up with that guy or you know gotten a new car or whatever, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and you can see those in it. You mentioned everything happens for a reason, and I love that thought. But I have to tell you. What I say is everything happens not for a reason, but for many reasons. Yeah. You may not know all the reasons, but there is everything's connected. And so if something happens and you can find a re- one reason that it happened for you, there will be many other reasons that happened for others. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we're all connected. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Mm. so before we go, I also want to make sure that people can find you. So can you tell me, um, do you have a favorite platform where people can connect with you? Oh, I wouldn't say I have a favorite, actually. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm not on there very much. I'm on TikTok, but the same but this year I'll be on TikTok a lot more. And all of those I am at the Mojo Medium, M-O-J-O Medium. And then you can email me personally, and I will answer you, Mojo Medium at Gmail. So that's easy, easy, easy. And then on my website at mojomedium.com. And if you forget and you put in the Mojo Medium, it's still going to go to the website. So that's good. <laughs> uh, mojomedium.com, there's a pop-up right away that lets you uh, get a no-cost destiny workbook. You can get started on some of these concepts. Um, Or you can go, yeah, everything's on the website. Everything's on the website. So, But I love that people can contact me personally. You can message me on Instagram. You can message me on Facebook. If you message me on LinkedIn, you might not hear from me for a couple of weeks. It's much faster on the other two. So 
however you want to do it, I'm here for you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. I will definitely be sure to include all of those links in the show description. Oh, and by the way, right now, and I don't know when this is going to be airing, but right now I am, uh, I'm get, I've got a waiting list going for the next destiny workshop. Okay. So awesome. when you go and sign up for the newsletters, you'll get those newsletters too, or you can just sign up for the waiting list newsletters and I'll let you know when that's coming. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again. I've really thank you. Thank you for having enjoyed me. this conversation and for for our listeners, definitely go check out the links in the show description. And I'm sure there is so much information here for you to digest and look into. But if nothing else, I hope that this has inspired you to feel to that you have the permission to go on this journey and to explore for yourself. And there was also a lot of language about, you know, pursuing the things things that, you know, bring you joy. And so I hope that these are wonderful nuggets for you to take with you today. And until next time, have a lovely day. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.